Welcome to Working Sober, the podcast that empowers high achievers like yourself to take control of their drinking habits and maximize their career success. I'm your host, Melissa. Working Sober is here to inspire and support you on your journey. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Welcome back to Working Sober. A big thanks to those of you who have listened to the first four episodes. Thank you so, so much. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I'm coming at you today with a solo episode. As you can see from the title, we're talking all about habits that helped me in my first year of sobriety. So I'll give a bit of context for those of you who are new to me or new to the podcast. Here's a quick backstory into my journey. So I quit drinking three years ago on May 2nd, 2020, after trying and failing to quit slash take a break slash moderate for about three to four years. We were about six weeks into the pandemic when I quit. So my journey might look a little bit different than yours if you're trying to do this now in a post-pandemic world. But when I quit drinking, I was doing my PhD at the time and working at a very prestigious university. I basically had my dream job. I had studied psychology, I got my undergrad, and then I came to Ireland from the US to do my master's and I ended up loving it and staying. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am, I've lived in Ireland uh, before, both my parents are Irish, and so I really wanted to stay here and I ended up getting a PhD slash researcher position um, up in Belfast, which is Northern Ireland technically. So anyway, I digress. I had my dream job. Like I really had my dream job. I was getting paid a salary to do my research and get got to do my PhD for free. And with that came a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, I didn't believe that I deserved to have the job that I was in, which we can get into in another episode. That's its own episode entirely. But while I was doing my PhD and working at this university, I felt like I was living a double life because of my drinking. And on the outside, everything looked normal. I was in a healthy, committed relationship. I My family life was normal. Work was going really well. Like Externally, I was you know, reaching all my deadlines. My supervisors were happy with what I was doing, but I was so unhappy with myself. And the way that I spoke to myself was just so unkind. I was constantly shaming myself and beating myself up. I had all of these attempts to try and quit drinking and it really just broke down my confidence over and over and over again to the point where I really just hated being inside of my own head. And I had moved to a new city to take this job, to do this PhD. And even though I had people around me, like I said, a lot of my family is based in Ireland. And so I knew people around me and my boyfriend actually ended up getting a position at the same university I was working at. Even though I had people around me technically, I just felt so lonely and isolated, specifically during my workday too, because I worked in an office where a lot of the other people in my office had lab-based projects and mine was computer-based, so they were always down in the lab and I was always just by myself. As I said, had a lot of imposter syndrome, there was a lot of pressure at work, and at the weekends, I honestly would drink to just escape it all. Right. And so every Friday night after work, I would have that, you know, feeling looking forward to Friday and basically just lived for Friday. And I would go out, go drinking, meet up with friends, um, you know, the usual, have some drinks, end up blacking out, over drinking, staying up late, really having that like party girl persona. Like I, I, I could just finally let loose at the weekend. But 
what happened then was I was dying all day Saturday with a hangover, right? Which feels horrible. And I had anxiety for days afterwards. Like I had, I would have anxiety all of the, all of the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I ended up starting the week feeling behind. And I was just trapped in that cycle of binge drinking every Friday night, being hungover all of Saturday and most of Sunday, and then just having anxiety for days on end until, and it would take me like three or four days just to get back to baseline. And then by the time it was Friday, it was time to do it all over again, right? And I had tried so many times to quit drinking between 2017 and 2020 when I finally did quit. But in retrospect, now I can see that all I was doing really was focusing on cutting back or limiting my drinking without doing any of the work around why I was drinking in the first place or what I was drinking to escape. Because if you've, you know, engulfed any of the literature or podcasts or any information about drinking, you'll know that drinking is but a symptom of a larger issue, right? And so uh, what I was doing was I was taking away drinking, which was my only coping mechanism, and not replacing it with healthier coping mechanisms. So I was just freewheeling, felt like I had absolutely no ability to manage my emotions or regulate my emotions. Everything felt just so out of control. And yeah, I just took out my only coping mechanism and was like, okay, let's go, let's do this. And so any wonder that never ended up working, right? Because our drinking is a behavioral habit in response to an emotional trigger. So I wasn't doing the underlying work to figure out why I was drinking. And you can go back to episode one to hear more about my story. Um, But basically, when I quit drinking for the last time, I knew I needed to do more than just remove alcohol from my life. And so that's what I'm talking about today. Because if you're emotionally addicted to alcohol like I was, i.e. you use alcohol as a way to cope with and process positive and negative emotions, right? It's not just negative emotions because a lot of the times, yes, we do drink to avoid or escape feeling bad. But also for many of us, we drink to enhance positive emotions, right? That's why whenever you're in a group of people or you're out at a wedding or a party, you can find yourself drinking more than you normally would because you're feeling so good and you just want more of these feelings and alcohol enhances those feelings, right? So it goes both ways. And I think that you'll really resonate with this episode if you were someone who drank in a similar way to me or if you do drink in a similar way to me where it's really that emotional addiction and using alcohol to cope with and manage emotions. I I hope you'll resonate with this episode when I talk about habits that I really focused on when I was in my first year of sobriety. And this comes at an interesting time. This episode comes at an interesting time because right now I'm doing a hard habit reset, actually. Like three years into my sobriety journey, a year and a half into my business journey and into this basically a new career path for myself. Um, Like I spent the better part of the last two years building my business and figuring out this new career path. And I need a minute (laughs) to take myself and to get back into a routine and to go back to these healthy habits and to get myself back in order. And so I've really been diving deep into learning more about habits and basically what I coach people on 
in my one-on-one coaching practice is changing their drinking habits, right? So I know a lot of this in theory, but still, even if you know all of it in theory, it still takes time, energy, practice, repetition, support to be able to follow through and execute on changing your behavior. And so that's a journey that I'm currently embarking on. I've already started and Uh, Today was a really good day. Like I, you know, I got up early, I had my coffee, I'm planning my meals, and I'll get into more about how I'm doing that later on in this episode. But it really makes such a difference when you have those healthy habits to help you and to lay the foundation and support you for the rest of your day. So I'm taking a minute this summer to kind of get myself back in order after going through my business journey. Because a lot of things have slipped to the wayside and I give myself grace for that, but I'm so ready to start prioritizing healthy habits again. And I'm currently sharing more about that journey and my personal journey regarding my relationship with food over on my Substack, which is basically my blog slash newsletter. It's linked below if you want to check it out. Um, Go have a read and let me know if you're on a similar journey or if this is something you finally feel like you've figured out, let me know as well. (laughs) I'll use all the tips that I can get. But in early sobriety, I really had to find new ways to cope with my emotions, and that's where these habits came into play. My life felt so out of control. I was never sticking to a routine. Morning routine, forget about it. I was getting up. I I started making overnight oats, actually, whenever I was doing my PhD. That was like the the pinnacle of the planning ahead that I ever did um, in the year or so leading up to me quitting drinking was making overnight oats that I could like wake up five minutes before I had to leave for work, get these overnight oats. I didn't, I don't even know if I was putting on makeup at the time, getting dressed, washing my face, heading out the door and like barely making it to work on time. Um, Not that I had to be in at a certain time. I was, you know, it was very, it was a very weird situation, but like I'd like to be in around 9, 9.30. Um, But yeah, there was really no self-care, no planning, no habits that went into place. I would exercise for like the first Monday of the month and then never exercise again. Like it was a lot of that, like a lot of, okay, I'm really going to do this. And then having all the motivation and that lasting like two days before just falling back and being like, this is never going to work. I'm never going to be able to figure this out. So in early sobriety, I really had to find new ways to create that routine and cope with my emotions because I had taken my only coping mechanism away from myself right so that's where these habits really came into play and there's so many more uh, habits than the ones that I'm talking about today that I utilized on my journey but I think that these were the ones that I saw the most benefits of when I engaged in them consistently and if you listen to episode one you'll know that I talked a lot about my perfectionism in the first solo episode there And I can feel that coming back again as I embark on this new journey that I'm on. But I am remembering to give myself permission to not do this perfectly, just like I did when I was quitting drinking. And I want to acknowledge that and re-permit myself to not need to do it perfectly this time around either. Something is better than nothing. Just get started. And I just wanted to say that if you're also a perfectionist like me, we high achievers, we tend to be perfectionists. So you have permission to not do this perfectly if you're using this as motivation to start you off on your journey of creating some healthier habits, whether you're newly sober, embarking on a sobriety journey, or if you're 10 years sober or wherever you're at, you have permission to not do this perfectly. So let's get in to the five habits that really helped me in my first year of sobriety, starting off with number one, 
which is journaling. I've always loved writing. Whenever I was a kid, you could always catch me filling up notebooks. I would write basically Harry Potter fan fiction, <laughs> right? I'm really outing myself here, aren't I? But I always loved writing. I loved my computer, my parents, whenever I was younger, um, they got me this desktop computer. It didn't have any internet on it. I think I was like 10 years old and I would write stories and I was always just, I had these notebooks and I was always, always writing. And I stopped writing whenever I was drinking and um, throughout college and yeah, like my master's degree and, and, and different things like that. I think because my degrees were very writing heavy. And so I was like, I'm not writing outside of what I have to write. And so I really fell out of love with writing. But I did journal on and off. But as I said, basically stopped during college. And I realized whenever I was thinking about this habit, and was I ever a journaler before? I remembered that I would write myself little letters inside my day planner for work around like the year before I quit drinking. But they were usually really mean messages about how I hated myself and how I'd never be able to get control of my drinking. And it honestly breaks my heart thinking about some of the things that I wrote. I came across them in old notebooks and it just goes to show you the kind of headspace that I was in during those three years before I quit. And I knew from social media and healthcare professionals who have always been like, yeah, journaling is good for your mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but in the first two, three weeks of sobriety, I was just a potato, <laughs> basically going through the motions. I was just doing the bare minimum. I was not drinking. I consumed a lot of content. If you listened to Jill's episode, my interview with Jill from last week, we talked about how diving and throwing yourself into researching sobriety was something that we had in common on our journeys. And that's definitely something that I did. But then around the one month mark of me being sober, I was really ready to start processing what was going on and what I was going through and sharing my story. So I started writing more and sharing more on Instagram back when I was Mel is sober. If anyone remembers that, um, send me, write a comment on the episode of this in Substack or send me a DM or something. Um, but yeah, my, my name was Mel is Sober and I started sharing about my sobriety journey on Instagram. I also started writing blogs on my Medium account, which is still roaming around the inter internet somewhere. And I started journaling more and I loved starting my day without hangovers or anxiety and... I was definitely in the pink cloud of sobriety those first six months. So I would a lot of the time start my day with a coffee and journaling. And I was just writing down that I how grateful I was that I was on this journey. If I was writing an Instagram post, I would tend to do that in the mornings. I would check in with this um, support group that I had and just write a little bit about what I had went through the night before, if I had any cravings, different things like that. And so that's basically the first six months of my sobriety journey. It was just kind of dipping my toe into writing more so to share my story and put it out there into the world. But then September, October, so about like five, six months into my sobriety journey, I went to the US to visit my family for the first time sober. And I really started taking my taking my journaling seriously around that time because um, a lot of the emotions started coming up again. I feel like I was just feeling, as I said, on that pink cloud, feeling so great in those first six months and really 
just reveling in the fact that I didn't have hangovers, I didn't have blackouts, I was following through on what I said, and I was doing this really amazing thing for myself, and then a lot of those old emotions started coming up again, and I really started journaling more to help myself process through that. It didn't become a daily non-negotiable until around January 2021, so about nine months into my sobriety journey, but I found it so helpful, still do, to dump my brain onto the page to put the words out of my brain and put them on paper. And also I knew that I would never get this time back. I would never get this year back. And I wanted to document my journey and have it there for me to read and go look back on from in years to come. And, um, I really felt myself process and release emotions and stories that I had held on to. Even to this day, I feel a bit on edge until I journal. Like I need to journal at least three or four times a week. It's something I try to do every day unless I'm traveling and then on the weekend sometimes I don't. But yeah, it was just something that I really saw the benefits of around nine months in when all of those emotions started coming back. And then I also used journaling to spend time in my future through future visualization and journaling. It really helped me figure out my next direction with regards to my career. It helped me with my relationship, my health, with my habits as well. Like it's a bit meta, but like my journaling habit helped me stick with other habits. And I was able to make some really big decisions about what I I wanted my future to look like and get to know this new version of myself through journaling. So that one definitely stands out as a habit that I developed in early sobriety that I still lean on today and that I found super useful. I even have a 28-day email course with 50-plus journaling prompts. It's called Soberish in 28 Days. I released it about a month and a half ago. So many of you have already taken it, and it really helps you get clear on your relationship with alcohol through journaling prompts and I highly recommend it if you're on this journey and you're looking for something to hold yourself accountable so I'll leave a link for that in the show notes of this episode but the second habit that really helped me was reading Uh, part of my sobriety meant going back to the things that I, I used to enjoy doing before alcohol got in the way and for me another habit that I really started focusing on was reading And I read a mixture of fiction and Quitlet, but reading really helped me to slow everything down a little bit. I was addicted to quick dopamine hits, still probably am, you know, to some degree. I'm a human being. And previous to getting sober, I spent the last three years only doing what gave me that quick pick-me-up, right? Whether that was coffee, 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 reality TV, social media, alcohol, sweets, salty food, cheesy food, um, food in general, right? Like comfort eating. And I was really craving quiet time with myself. And I always loved the comfort of a good book. And this was probably the most difficult habit, if if I'm being completely honest, This was very difficult for me to get going, and I definitely have dropped off and want to re-enter my reading era. That's something that I really want to focus on in the next few months. But in order for me to get into the habit of reading every night, um, because I found that it was easier to stay in the habit than it was to start the habit, but I started off with a 10-page-a-night minimum baseline. I made a minimum baseline, basically, that those nights where... I would have rather scroll through Instagram or watch TV. I would tell myself it's only 10 pages and I was more likely 
to get into bed and because I really liked um, reading before bed because I was struggling to fall asleep in early sobriety as well. Um, so I was like, okay, fine, I can do 10 pages. And what do you know? It really, really helped me to get that habit into motion. Let me know if you want me to record a podcast or write a post about how I actually got myself to do these habits consistently, right? Because I feel like that could be another episode, right? It's one thing for me to be like, these habits really helped me. But then you're like, yeah, how do I consistently do these habits? So leave me a comment on this episode over on Substack and tell me if you'd like to hear about that. If you want to hear about how I got myself to do these habits consistently, go go tell me. But yeah, I read so many books in 2020, the year that I quit, probably like 20 or 30 in my first year of sobriety, which feels insane because I think I've read like two books this year and like two books last year. Um, does anyone else feel like reading is such a confidence boost? Like, I don't know. I have this like moral superiority complex for whenever I'm reading more. <laughs> it just really makes me feel confident. And I, you know, in my work as a coach and through my background in psychology, I know that confidence is built when you follow through on the promises that you make for yourself. And that's really what reading helped me do. And as I said, I read a lot of Quitlet as well, so maybe I'll do an episode or post on my Substack um, about my favorite Quitlet books. So, oh, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Quitlet is basically literature about quitting drinking or other substances. It's called Quitlet, um, but it's books about people who have quit drinking or quit doing drugs or all of this stuff. Um, so leave me a co- comment over my Substack and let me know if that's something that you'd also like to hear about. So yeah, first habit was journaling, the next one was reading, and the next two habits that really helped me in my first year kind of went hand in hand because I did them together. I think it's technically called habit stacking, um, but anyway, the habits are walking and listening to podcasts. Yeah, I think it is called habit stacking, and in fact, I listened to so many podcasts while I was walking in early sobriety with Professor B.J. Fogg from Stanford University. He's the founder and director of the Stanford Behavior Design Lab, and he's also the author of the book Tiny Habits. I'll link that in the show notes too if you want to check it out. Um, But basically habit stacking is using um, one habit and stacking another one on top, so you're doing two at once. It's like um, doing your meditation while wearing a face mask or having your uh yeah wearing a face mask basically you get you get you guys know what I mean but as a fellow researcher I absolutely loved hearing him talk about his work so I definitely do recommend that you check him out but one of the first habits that I got into when I first quit drinking was walking and listening to podcasts so I think I spoke about this before, but my cravings were usually on Friday nights. Um, That was really where I was most tempted to drink because it was the pandemic. So it wasn't like I was getting invited anywhere or different things like that. So I knew that on Friday nights, I was going to have to temporarily (laughs) find a way to like get myself out of the house and not drink. So What I decided to do was every Friday night, and I quit drinking in May, so we had really nice weather, and here in Ireland it stays bright until like 10 or 11 o'clock in the summer. But I would, on a Friday evening, close my laptop after work, put my workout clothes on, put my sneakers on, 
download like five or six recovery podcasts on my phone and I would just walk for like two hours until probably like eight o'clock at night, get home, have a shower, eat my favorite dinner. I think we were, well, my favorite dinner. It was my favorite COVID dinner. (laughs) It was like a frozen pizza or something. (laughs) Crazy times. Um, Because I think this was before ordering takeaway was a thing. Anyway, I would eat my frozen pizza and I would be so proud of myself because I would have all of those stories of those of those people who had shared on those recovery podcasts in my ear and in my mind and I would just feel so proud of myself and so I began loving that routine and so I had been listening to recovery podcasts for years and years. Um, I say years and years, it was probably like one year. but anyway yeah I was listening to recovery podcasts and listening to other people's journeys and it felt so good that I was like wow I'm actually on this journey now I'm doing what I have wanted to do for so long and so every morning basically I would get up um besides Fridays Friday I would do it in the evening because I knew I had cravings but I would get up and put my shoes on and go for my like hour or two walk listening to my podcasts and I was also at the time healing from a health issue that was definitely hormone related and I knew that I wanted to exercise but I didn't want to spike my cortisol with something that was high intensity and so I just fell in love with walking and I still walk every single day it's a weird day if I don't walk uh like days that I travel like the other day we traveled down from Belfast. We went up to go see my cousin um, and I had a Belfast meetup for Sober Girls Ireland, which was really, really fun. But it was a very long car drive, probably like four or five hours. And so, oh my God, I did walk then because I hiked up the mountain that day. You see, like I love walking and I basically do it every day unless I'm traveling or something like that. How long I walk varies depending on where I'm at. But I love nothing more than going out for an hour or two with some podcasts downloaded and I found that it was such a game changer for my sobriety, 100%. Um, So the last habit is a little bit different and I'm still working on it, but it's connecting with other people. And I mean this in two ways. So like connecting with other people in sobriety and connecting with other people who were already in my life and who I'm kind of connecting with on a new level now that I've quit drinking. And and a sobriety journey can feel incredibly lonely. And I just want to say, if you're out there right now listening to my podcast and other people's podcasts and you're feeling lonely, you're not alone. And it's it's a process and you're not going to feel like that forever. Um, and so I know that there's a lot of fear around that, like, ah, is this what my life is going to be like now that I'm sober? And it's like, no, just the same way that, you know, when you're newly broken up with somebody that you were in love with and you're heartbroken, that's not what single life is going to be like forever, right? You're just going through a process right now and you'll get to the other side. But I did feel incredibly lonely and <laughs> I quit drinking or during the pandemic too. So to add fuel to the flame, but... I really relied heavily and started developing that habit of connecting with other people. So I did it in multiple ways. I did it online and in person with new sober people and people in my real life. I would wake up every day the first 30, 60 days of sobriety. I checked into the Stop Drinking subreddit um, on, on Reddit, obviously. 
and I would connect with people anonymously over there. I would use Instagram a lot. Um, There are so many sober Instagrams now, by the way. When I quit drinking like three years ago, there there were a few, but there's nowhere near as many as there are today. So there's definitely people that you can be connecting with over on Instagram. Um, but I was using it to meet people and share about my story and hear about their journey. And I had some sober sisters who quit drinking around the same time that I did. So we were all kind of going through this together and it was really great. And then I started meeting people. So as I started sharing more about my journey, people would reach out to me and I quit drinking when I was living in Belfast. And so people would reach out to me and be like, oh my God, I live in Belfast too. Any chance that you would want to meet for a coffee? And so we would go meet for coffees and um, it was just so great to connect with people on that level. And then now I run Sober Girls Ireland, which is a community for sober and sober curious women in Ireland who want to meet up, whether that's virtually or in person. As I said, we hosted our first Belfast meetup this past weekend. We have one in Dublin coming up this next weekend. We have a sober swim and there's so many in the works and it's just so nice to have that community. So if you're in Ireland, go check those out. Uh, they're always linked in my in the show notes of this podcast. But yeah, like me connecting with people, meeting people, um, because whenever I was in the thick of trying to quit drinking, I really wasn't connecting with anybody. I wasn't connecting with myself, my partner. It was very surface level because I could never really be present because I always had this background noise of shame and you're never going to be able to figure this out. And are you an alcoholic? And all of this stuff going on in the back of my brain that I could never actually be present with people. But now I connect with people who are already in my life. I try to be better at texting my friends back. A lot of my friends live over in the US or up in Belfast or an hour away. And so it takes time and energy and I'm not perfect. I don't I don't do this perfect. If any of my friends are listening, you'll know that I don't do this perfectly. But I try to put time and effort into those relationships, texting people back, scheduling times whenever I am over in America to go meet up and have a coffee or go out or whatever, and actually be present with them, asking them questions, finding out more about what they're up to, right? Which I never did whenever I was drinking. It was always me, 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 me. And yeah, I think that I needed the basis of some self-confidence that I developed through quitting drinking to be able to do this and start putting myself out there and connecting with other people. Like even through my business, through working with my clients, I'm constantly connected with them, whether that's in our in-person sessions once a week, or I offer Voxer coaching, which is an app where we can send voice messages, text messages back and forth throughout the week to keep the conversations going. I have this podcast. I'm getting invited to go on to other people's podcasts. I'm speaking at different events. I'm hosting Sober Girls Ireland events. Like, I am so much more connected now than I was whenever I was not sober. And it's just amazing. And I definitely needed that confidence boost that I got from quitting drinking to be able to do this. So, those are all the habits. Well, not all the habits. Those are the most predominantly effective habits that helped me in my first year of sobriety. Um, and all of those habits have kind of weaved in and out since I've quit drinking. For example, right now, journaling isn't really my vibe at the moment. I, I actually had this realization today. I just haven't been really into it. And But I'm still putting pen to paper every single day to set my goals, write my to-do list, plan my food, and write what I'm grateful for. Like, 
I'm okay not doing these big, deep, emotional processing journal entries right now. And I'm just kind of um, going through my to-do list, checking things off. And so it's still there. Like, it's still in my routine. Today, I went for a nice 5K walk while listening to a podcast. Um, And I read this morning for five minutes while I drank my coffee. I'm reading this book uh, called Financial Feminist by Tori Dunlop. It's all about personal finance, and that's kind of what I'm into right now. She runs this, I don't know if it's an organization, but it's called Her First 100K, and she's a badass. And so I'm reading her book, and that I'm still reading, but it looks very different to how I was reading before, which was at night and using it for a different reason. Um, so yeah, they just think my habits are still there. They just kind of look different. Like I, I connected with my partner and my friends this weekend they're they're still in my life they just look different at different phases and that's so so normal so i'd love to know what habits you are focused on right now feel free to tell me over on our sub stack which is growing oh my gosh we have some new people who just joined i recently got a shout out from dana lee lyons so thank you so much dana for shouting me out and sending all these beautiful people over here yeah so the community is growing i just want to say thank you so much for being a part of it all and thank you for listening Also, shout out to my community, Sober Girls Ireland. If you're living in Ireland, check it out down below in the show notes. And I think that's it from me. I will talk to you next week. I'll be back with another guest episode, which I'm super excited for you guys to hear. And I look forward to talking with you very soon. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Working Sober. I hope that you found it informative and inspiring. Make sure you join our community over on Substack where we share resources, stories, and support for those navigating this transformational journey. To subscribe, simply visit workingsober.substack.com or head to the link in the show notes and enter your email address. It's completely free and you'll receive our latest newsletter directly in your inbox. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite favorite podcasting platform. It helps us reach more people who can benefit from our message. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep working sober and pursuing your dreams.